All right, good morning, Shore Christian Church. If you are new here, my name is Pastor Isaac Friedel, and I will be your ringleader for this morning's service. Catch that for me, Pastor Rhonda. Um, man, that was awesome. Let's hear it for our worship team. And if uh, this is your first time here and you didn't know what to expect this morning, you're probably in shock right now. We don't do this every week, but we are starting this two-week series called More Than a Melody. And uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, the uh, musical, The Greatest Showman, and the story of P.T. Barnum. And it's an incredible story. It's one that uh, really fascinated me as I began to, to research it last night about uh, how this all began, how the, the circus began, and the story of P.T. Barnum. And he, he was an incredible man. He was born in, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And he started uh, the, uh, the, the P.T. Balaam, the, the circus, uh, in 1870. And this was a cultural phenomenon. This was so unusual because how, how P.T. began this circus was by taking people and finding people that were outcasts by society. Uh, and he, he would do this throughout the country. He would go to all these places and find people that the, the world had shut doors on and the world had, had hidden and, and tried to put them in a, in a closet, so to speak. And, and then PT would, would go and find them and, and see something in them that they never saw in themselves. Uh, it is a great scene in the greatest show in the movie when uh, P.T. goes to the home of, uh, his name was Charles. Uh, we, we know him, his stage name was Tom Thumb. He was a, a dwarf, and he, he had been shunned by society. And when P.T. came to his home, uh, he, he introduced himself and says, I want you to be part of this, this new show that I'm going to be bringing to New York City. And, and the, the, the little, you know, he was, he was used to people laughing at him. And so he says, oh, you want people just to go and laugh at me. And he went in his room. But then P.T. got next to, the, next to the little keyhole in his room and says, no, this is what I see. I see a man dressed in the most beautiful uniform ever fitted with a, a, a gun and a sword riding on a, on a white horse. And when people see you, Charles, they're not going to laugh. They're going to salute and this is what P.T. would do as he found uh, this, this cast of misfits, you would, you would call them, the, the bearded lady. And then there was uh, uh, two Siamese twins that, that P.T. found. They were, they were known as Chan and Eng. And they were incredible. I, I read about them the other night. They uh, actually got married to two sisters and fathered 21 children. Don't think about that too much. It gets really, really weird. But true story. And, and, and so this, this was the, the cast of, of misfits that, that P.T. was collecting. And, and this, was, this was radical. This was so new to the culture, uh, the people that the world was shunning, uh, P.T. was featuring. And, and I, I realized that that wasn't a, a cultural phenomenon. He, he kind of stole that from Jesus. Because when Jesus came to earth, Jesus came and, and he sought out the, 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 the so-called misfits. Because in Jesus' day, uh, there were similar racism and, and bigotry taking place when Jesus walked the earth. And, and there was actually people that were not allowed in church because of a defect, because they didn't look like everybody else. And, and this was the society that Jesus, this was the culture that Jesus was, was being thrown into when he walked the earth. 
Uh, it, we read about it in Leviticus chapter 21 when uh, people were, were not even allowed to go to church. They weren't even allowed to be part of the, the house of God if they had a defect. And this is what it says, no man or woman who has any defect may come near the temple of God. No man or woman who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed. Next verse. No man or woman with a crippled foot, if you had a broken foot, you weren't allowed in church that week. If, if, if you had a hunchback, if, if you were a dwarf or anyone that had an eye defect, if you wore glasses, Pastor Rhonda, you, you, you weren't allowed in, in the house of God. And, and, and they were being shunned. The doors were being shut in their face. Uh, anyone who had a festering or running sore or, or damaged testicles, that's, and you, you know, you Saturday and you're playing soccer, you get kicked in the twig and giggle makers, you know, you know like, like you can't come to church the next day. Um, you know, that's what the Bible said. And so this is the culture that Jesus is walking into. And I, I thought about how so many of us, we, we have a defect. So many of us, we have a place in our life that is deformed or dysfunctional. And like so many other people, we have been told that you're not good enough or or, or your dream is now shattered because you're being told that you have a defect in you. And all of us have dreams. All of us had dreams at one point. In the movie, uh, The Greatest Showman, you see that, that, that P.T. Had, had this dream that he wanted to marry the, the, this young girl, but he was told, you're never going to be able to marry her because you're too poor. She comes from an from upper-class family, and you're too poor, P.T., and, and he had all these dreams, and, and you have dreams too, dreams of, of maybe one day getting married, dreams of, of being able to retire, dreams of starting your own business, and, and it's so amazing when we have these aspirations, but there always comes a time where our dreams are challenged. And I, I love the song and the lyrics to this song that they play in the beginning of the movie as, as P.T. and his new wife begin to chase those dreams, and if you could just pay your attention to the stage, we're going to sing this song, uh, A Million Dreams, right now. In Mark chapter 5, we read the story of a, of a young, young girl that was filled, as we just sang, with, with a million dreams. Just like most children, just like you probably were at, at one point, uh, when you, you had all these aspirations of what your life was going to look like. A picture of what your family was going to look like, what you were going to look like when you were 35, 40 years old. And this, this young lady we read about, I, I could see in, in my mind that she had all these aspirations. She had all these dreams. I'm, I'm sure just like any young lady, she had a dream of one day getting married and, and being able to build her own family, being a mother, being able to, to, to uh, have a family to be able to dream with. And I, I could see in my mind how this, this young lady, she, she found that man. And, and he, was, he was handsome, he, he was successful, and, and they began to plan their future together. Have you ever began to plan your future, and you have a picture of how you see everything taking place? You have a five-point presentation for what your life is going to look like, and, and I, I could see in, in, in my mind how, how she had that with, with her, her fiancé, her, her husband-to-be. They, they had the house picked out. They had uh, the names of their kids already picked out. They, they had everything already lined up, and they were so excited, not just about the future, but about getting to build a future together, about getting to build a, a family together, and, 
and, and she had her wedding dress picked out, and, and, and they, they were so ready for that big day. If you've ever been a, a bride, you know how exciting it is to be able to plan your wedding and, and the flowers, and I don't know, what, what else do you guys plan? I just, just shout it out. What, what is it? Cake, the cake. Got some cake people in the front row, like the cake, all right? Uh, you, you know, all, all that exciting things you get to plan for, and, and she had all of that. And, and then all of a sudden, things changed in a moment. I don't know if your life has ever changed radically because of a phone call or because of a, a report that you got from, from maybe a doctor or, or a phone call that you got, but that's what happened to this young lady. Uh, she woke up one morning, and all of a sudden, uh, she began to hemorrhage, hemorrhage blood. And th this was serious. This wasn't just a, a, a monthly thing. This, this began to continue past seven days and past 14 days. And now it's been a month. And, and now she's terrified. And she, she has a doctor come visit her because she can't go outside of the house because of her condition. And the doctor comes and gives her this, this debilitating report that she has this rare blood condition where she's never going to be able to get married now. She's never going to be able to, to have a family. And truth be told, she's never even going to be able to have friends because the culture that she lived in, uh, she would be deemed as being an untouchable, as being an outcast, as being unclean. And I can't imagine the depression, the, the, the fear, the trembling that came on her of, of having her dream snatched away in just one moment, in just one phone call, everything changed radically for this young lady. And we read about in the book of, of Mark that she, she decided to try and find her, her cure uh, from a doctor. For maybe something out in the world can be able to fix me. It, it says, I believe it's verse 25, that, that the woman, she'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she spent all that she had. What are you hemorrhaging from? Every one of us has something that is hemorrhaging in our life, something that's flowing out of us. And, and a lot of us, we can remember that moment when it started, when you began hemorrhaging trust. You began hemorrhaging your, your, your future because of a rejection that took place. And, and a lot of us, it could boil down to one moment in time where, where, where we, 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 we were uh, hurt, we were abused, trust was, was broken in our life, and something happened. And from that moment on, things changed. We began to, to hemorrhage in our life. And like this woman, what we do many times is we go out in the world to try and fix our dysfunction within our own selves. And this is a perfect picture, as she says, she spent all, but only got worse. That's a perfect picture of sin, isn't it? As you, you spend all, everything's flowing out of you, but nothing is flowing to you. And, and we, we think that maybe if I, if I become successful enough, like P.T. Barnum thought, then I'll, I'll feel the acceptance. Then this hemorrhaging will stop in my life. P.T. was rejected when he was young. The, the, the father of his wife wanted nothing to do with him and his family because he didn't want him to marry his daughter because P.T. was too poor. And his whole life, P.T. thought, if I, if I get enough success, if I build this business and make enough money and be able to hold uh, galas and, and go to black tie events, then I'll be able to get the approval of her father that I'm good enough to marry his daughter. And yet in his life, it was never enough. 
for us, we do it in other areas. We, we, we think that if we get enough approval from others, if, uh, we, we, we'll use a substance, we'll put things in our mouth, and we'll, we'll, we'll be, put things in our arms to try and fill these voids that we have within our own self. We think the love of a, of a woman or a love of a man will sometimes fix what's hemorrhaging in our own soul, but it never does. It's never enough. And in this moment, uh, I want to be able to bring out uh, some people from our worship team to be able to share a song from The Greatest Showman that makes this point called Never Enough. All, all the shine of a million spotlights, all the gold will never be enough. That is so fitting for our lives, isn't it? Because you, you, you could gain all the accolades, you could be able to get all the affirmation out there, Bring your life to a certain level, but it will never be enough. You think because you didn't have a mother, maybe if I'm a mother, then, then that'll be enough, but it's not. You, you think that maybe if, if, because I never had any love, if I give love to this man, then that'll be enough, but it'll never be enough to stop the, the hemorrhaging that we are all going through, this, this void, this, this ache that is in every single one of our hearts within. It'll never be enough. And, and this woman in Mark chapter 5, she went her whole life, 12 years, spending everything trying to fill, trying to heal herself. And, and it, she ended up growing worse and worse because so often when you think something's going to work and it doesn't work, it leaves you wanting, it leaves, leaves you hurting so much more. That's why so many people, it's not rock bottom that is so debilitating, but it's the top of the mountain that is so painful because they strive so far, so hard to get there. And then when they get there, it doesn't make them feel the way they expected. And so they crash and burn. P.T. in the show, The Greatest Showman, he comes to a point where he realizes that all the success, he's still hurting, he's still broken, he's still angry because of the rejection that he faced as, as a child. And, and he forgot something so important in his life that he's the ringleader of the misfits. He didn't realize that, that he was one of the misfits. He, he wanted so desperately not to be this, this outcast, this misfit, that maybe I could fit in with the upper echelon type of people, but he forgot who he was. He's a misfit. And I'm so thankful that our church, all this church is, we are a circus for misfits. Like, I want to put a, a sign on the church that says, Misfits Wanted. Like, if you're not a misfit, we don't want you at Shore Christian Church. We don't want normal people. And BTW, we're all crazy. Like, if you ever, like, go on a date with somebody, first question you should ask him is, what crazy are you? <laughs> because we, we're all misfits. And the worst kind of people are the ones that are self-righteous, that don't think they need any help, that think that they're God's gift to earth. But one of the greatest revelations that you can have is, is I'm a misfit. I have issues. I love in the Bible, Jesus said, I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. Not saying that there's any well people, but there's people that actually think that they're well. There's people that actually think that they don't, they, they don't have any issues. Those are the people that Jesus didn't come for. Those are the people that, that the, the, the church really isn't for. But if you realize I got issues, I'm a misfit, I have some dysfunction, I have some deficiencies in my life, then all of a sudden the doctor is in the house, Jesus Christ, and the doctor has the medicine to be able to fix your aching heart. 
And in, in this moment where, where uh, P.T. thinks he's, he's, he's all of a sudden God's gift to earth and, and all of his, his misfits, all of his, his people, the people that, that he gave an opportunity to, the people that he gave a home to in the circus, they want to be part of his world. And, and this moment he shuts the door on them. And in that moment, they, they feel the rejection one more time. And, and all of a sudden they, they feel what they felt their entire life, doors being shut in their face. And, and, and it makes us want to go into hiding so often often when a door is shut in our face. It makes us want to just quiver in fear and never step out anymore, never step out of our comfort zone anymore. And, and, and the, you can see it in their eyes that they're debilitated, they're, they're, they're depressed, but then all of a sudden something bubbles up inside of them. I want you to know that there is a light that is shining inside of you that this world needs to see. And so often people want you to, to, to just shut up. Don't let that light shine. And, and, and you get so discouraged because you've been put down before and you've been embarrassed by others and you've been mocked or made fun of by other people or you failed in a business venture. And, and, and what th this voice wants to get you to do is just go in the corner. Don't let your light shine. But I want you to know that there is a light that is inside of you that this world needs so desperately. And nothing that anyone can do can ever put that light out because it's been put there by God. I want you to know that you are glorious. You are beautiful. That everything in you is fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. And, and I love in this moment as the, 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 the group of misfits, they, they all of a sudden have the door shut in their face and then they start singing this song. It's probably my favorite song when they, when they say, you know what, the good, the bad, and the ugly, this is me. Take me as I am. I might not be perfect, but I'm saved. I might not be perfect, but there is something in me that I want to shine bright like a diamond. And so what I want to do now, I want to bring out our team, and, and we're going to sing this rendition of the song from The Greatest Showman, This Is Me. So this woman, she spent all she had, and it wasn't enough. She tried and she failed. She was like, said, Nick, Mick Jagger said, I tried and I tried, but I can't get no... That's because you're going to the wrong well, Mick. Amen. It's not in women. It's not in drugs. It's not in money. You'll spend all and get worse. And this woman finally, for 12 years, tried everything to stop the hemorrhaging of her soul, of her body. And then she heard about Jesus. She heard about this, this God-man who was walking the streets of Nazareth, and he wasn't like the, the Pharisees. He wasn't like all the religious elite that she was used to that told her to, to stay hidden, that shut the door in her face, that, that this guy, Jesus, he, he was accepting that, that, that there, were, there were prostitutes that would follow him. There were, there were men. There were women. There were tax collectors. There were, there were people from all walks of life, and, and, and Jesus, his arms were open to all, to the children, to, to everybody. And, and she said, maybe, just maybe, this is the place, this is the one who could fill this hole in my heart that could stop the hemorrhaging of my body, but, but she couldn't go outside. How, how in the world am, am I going to be able to get to Jesus? He, he doesn't know who I am, and, and I can't go outside. If, if I go outside, then, then I could be punished because the, the, the law said that if, if you go outside, if you, if you touch anybody, uh, you could be punished. You, you, you need to be hidden. You're unclean. You're untouchable. You're a misfit. And she could actually, in this culture, be stoned for going outside. But yet there was something so inside of this woman that I wish every single one of us could get a hold of. 
That I, you know what, I, I, there may be some, some, some embarrassing things, there may be some repercussions, but I don't care, I'm going to get to Jesus anyhow. I'm gonna, I, I just have enough faith that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just get to him, then all of a sudden, this void, this hemorrhaging is going to stop in my life. And in this incredible moment of faith, she basically said, this is me, I'm coming out of hiding. And the world tried to put her away, tried to dim her light. She says, I'm going to get to Jesus. And she had to break a law to do it. But you know what? The law of love always supersedes the law of man. And, and in, in that moment, it's, it's, it's crowded in the streets. Jesus, at this point, he was bigger than Bieber. I, I mean, people just flooded to see him. And, and she, she goes outside, she looks out the door, and it's wall-to-wall people. This isn't like, like going to be an easy task for her to get to Jesus, but in, in my mind, I can see that, that she sees him from a distance. There he is. I, I, I got to get to him, and, and she starts trying to, trying to finagle her way through the crowd, but, but this is a rowdy crowd, and, and at some point, we don't know when, but, but she gets hit, and she falls to the ground, but, but that, that wasn't going to stop her, because she was determined that I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm not going to let anyone stop me. It's been 12 years, but I'm not going to let how long I've had this debilitating disease, this struggle, stop me or discourage me from getting my miracle. This woman had faith. A lot of people were touching Jesus, but but only this woman had enough faith that touching Jesus was going to cure this disease within her. And so she had so much faith that she got on her hands and knees and she started crawling to the feet of Jesus. This woman is awesome. I wish I could be this woman when I grow up. I want that kind of faith, that kind of determination. And when she got to the feet of Jesus, she had enough faith that if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the back of Jesus' robe, that I can be healed. And in that moment, where she reached out to touch the hem of his garment, immediately her disease was healed. Immediately the blood stopped flowing from her body and she knew it. And I love that word immediately because it took 12 years for her to get there, but immediately. And I believe that could be a word for somebody this morning, that your immediately is right around the corner if you could get on your knees and still crawl to the feet of Jesus. It's been 12 years. It's been 15 years I've been praying for my son or my daughter. It's been in five years I've been struggling with this ailment, but you know what? My immediately is right around the corner. And in one moment of faith, immediately took place, and all of a sudden she was restored. All of a sudden the blood stopped flowing, and she was healed in that moment. But, but that wasn't it, because Jesus just doesn't want to heal you. He wants to completely redirect your life. And so she, she gets to the hem of his garment, and Jesus is like, who touched me? And the disciples are hysterical. The disciples are like, who touched you? I touched you. He touched you. We all touched you. This is like, like, like Times Square on, on, on New Year's Eve. Like, we're all touching you. She's like, no, but one person touched me with enough faith. See, a lot of people come to church. A lot of people talk about Jesus. A lot of people sing songs about Jesus. But can you be that one person that has enough faith that when you touch Jesus, that Jesus can do a miracle in my life? Because a lot of people will touch him that day, but only one got the miracle. And, and Jesus said, where is she? She's hiding, you know. Well, why is she hiding, Pastor Isaac? Because she's terrified because she just broke a law. 
She just broke a Levitical law that she wasn't allowed to go outside and she touched people and, and, and she was a sinner and she, 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 she should deserve punishment. And she was terrified that when Jesus saw her, awaiting for her would be judgment and punishment because of the law. And so she's hiding from Jesus. How many people are hiding from Jesus because they are so afraid that if they showed who they really are to Jesus, that awaiting them would be judgment and punishment and the devil is a liar. Jesus is looking for her. Who touched me? And then, and then finally, she, she looks up and, and she says, he's going to find me anywhere. He's better than Sherlock Holmes. Got one Sherlock Holmes fan in the house. Shout out. Thank you for the encouragement. I thought that was corny, but you liked it, so we're good. We're misfits. It's all good. And, and she goes to Jesus trembling, it says, She's trembling at the feet of Jesus. Jesus looks at her and says something that can only be said with a smile. Says, the woman knowing what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling in fear told him the whole truth. I shouldn't be here. I'm a sinner. I, it's been 12 years, Jesus. I, I don't deserve to be in, the, in, in church. To be honest, I thought the church was going to collapse when I walked in. I'm that bad. I'm that kind of sinner. And, and, and Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and Jesus looks at her and says something that can only be said with a smile. Daughter. Calls her daughter. Did you know that, that your Savior doesn't call you by your sin? He calls you by your name. Daughter, Michael, Rachel. He calls you beloved. He doesn't call you by your sin. He says, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Now, this is the, the PIF version of the Bible. Pastor Isaac Friedel. So, you know. So, we're clear. From now on, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That's what Jesus wants to do for every single person in here this morning. Is he doesn't just want to give you a miracle. He wants to completely redirect your life so that everywhere you go, peace follows you. The same way that the psalmist said it in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy and peace and kindness will follow you all the days of your life. You are not cursed. You are blessed from now on. In the movie, the, the final scene is such a powerful scene because... Uh, P.T. Barnum kind of forgot who he was, and he hurt a lot of people on the way. And he hurt his family, he hurt uh, his, his, his circus friends, and he, he's now lost everything. His circus is burned down, and he's literally down to nothing, and, and he's, he's over, I, I, he's over with just, let's just for, you know, purpose of the illustration, at the Asbury Park Ale House. He's, he's drinking. And all of a sudden, uh, a, a whole crew, his circus people come. And he looks at him and, and, and apologizes and says, guys, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm so selfish. I blew it. And, and then they, they begin singing this song, and we're going to sing it right now. Amen. Welcome home. You will come back home. Where is home? Home is this place that only God can create within you. It's a, it's a security within yourself. It makes me think of the, the story in Luke chapter 15 where 
the prodigal son, he, he strayed away. And it, it says that he spent all too. He had nothing left. And when he decided to come home, the father was scanning the crowd and the father ran and embraced him and said two of the most powerful words anyone could ever hear, welcome home. And you could have a from now on moment in your life too. They're the most powerful moments where it doesn't matter what you did before. It doesn't matter uh, many times uh, how, how rebellious you were, how many promises you broke to others and to yourself. God says, I want to have a from now on moment with you. That from now on, things are going to be different in your life. From now on, I'm going to redirect your future. It's one of the most powerful experiences anybody could have. I, I remember when I, I had that moment in my life, and it, it changed me forever. It changed how I saw other people. Rather than comparing myself to them, I realized that I was a misfit just like them. But for the grace of God. It, it helped me not look down on other people that didn't look like me or talk like me because I realized that, that I'm sick too, and the only cure for my struggle is the grace of God. And let's just... As a, as a church, let's just all bow our heads right now in the balcony. No eating, no drinking. Let's, let's just give this moment to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of love and grace, and you're a God of second chances. You're a God that in one moment can redirect the course of our life forever. That just like this woman had a from now on moment, where she saw the grace of God, she saw the acceptance of, of Jesus as he looked her in the eyes and said, daughter, from now on, you're not going to live in torment anymore. You're going to live in peace. You're not going to live in pain and suffering any longer. You're going to live with, with joy in your heart. And she went away. Some things he searched 12 years for in one moment with Christ completely redirected her life. And you are the God who says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And the same way that you touch this woman, that as our desperate faith reaches out for you, you could heal us in one moment. Heal our bodies, heal our emotions, heal our, heal our broken spirits. You could give us the strength to forgive ourselves. Feel that for somebody, that there's somebody in here this morning and the hardest person for you to have to forgive is yourself. Because you have broken so many promises to yourself. That you promised that this year was going to be different. You promised that you were going to be a better mother. You promised that you're going to be a better husband. You made all these promises and you, you, you broke your own promises. And now you feel so condemned. And, and, and God wants to say that I, I can restore you. That even though you broke promises to others and to yourself, I'm going to give you the strength to forgive yourself this morning. That you're going to walk out of these doors forgiven. How do you expect to forgive other people if you can't forgive yourself? It's not your fault. You are healed in Jesus' name. Mind, body, and spirit, you are healed. Stop beating yourself up. Stop blaming yourself. Stop thinking that you're cursed. No, you are blessed. If you're here this morning and you need this from now on moment. And from now on, Jesus, I'm going to put you in the driver's seat of my life. 
I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. If that's your prayer, it's dark in here, but I, I just want you out of faith, on the count of three, if that's you, just want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Amen. You can put your hand down right now. God, you see those hands. And now we're going to we'll just say this prayer together as a church. Dear Jesus, I thank you for grace, for acceptance, for love. I'm a misfit, but I'm loved. I thank you for forgiveness. Take the wheel of my life. Redirect me. Make me whole. I believe you died on the cross for me and resurrected on the third day. That old things have passed away. And behold, all things are new. In Jesus' name. Amen.